Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wired Nerdy Podcast. This is season one, episode number 12. My name is Keith. I'm here with my good friend, Doug. How is this week treating you, Doug? It's going good. Uh, we've got uh, a couple things to share. Uh, 12 episodes, so we're just trucking along. It doesn't. Uh, we also have to put in a little plug for our new website and our merch store. That's right. That's right. Uh, if you look in the body on YouTube, it's also will be on Spotify as well. You will see a variety of links. We have added our new website uh, inside of each one of the videos, both the back catalog and any new going forward. Yep. If you go to that website, not only will it talk about where you can listen, uh, but you can go to our new merch store. You can get cool hats. You can get shirts. You can get hoodies. You can get mouse pads. And it's only going to get better. So Absolutely, definitely. yeah. And uh, all the proceeds will go towards helping us support the podcast, uh, helping us with uh, running this thing and uh, the technology that we need and keep, you know, our production popping. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the plug there, man. I actually, yeah, no my problem. Mind. <laughs> it's one of those been one of those weeks. So let's let's cue up the nerd news, my friend. Nerd news. OK, so you're going to take number one here. Let's let's get right into it. All right, yeah. So um, Netflix uh, is actually ending their DVD service, and it's been going for 25 years. Uh, I believe it ends uh, late September. You know what's crazy? Um, I, I thought they already had. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a lot. Um, uh, there's kind of some jokes running around, like Reddit and others. Uh, it says dozens of people affected by Netflix or <laughs> Single Life. guy misses his DVD collection. So. <laughs> Grandma. And, and my wife actually uh, uses the DVD uh, uh, mail service. Uh, really? And she likes it. And I like it too because there are some things that are not on uh, streaming platforms. That's fair. So it's good to get to them that. on DVDs. I was getting yeah. ready to ask you why. Now I get it. Okay. Yeah. That's a good justification. So has, have you broken the news to your wife yet? Is she you know. I, I did, and she was rather upset. And uh, I kind of gave the same joke to her. I'm like, you're their only subscriber. It's time that they <laughs> let you go. Oh and God. she, uh, of course, gave me uh, quite the face. But yeah, I'm sure she she's did. upset. Well, that's awesome. Look at me. I, I thought they had already ended it. So, well, it's, it, it is an end of an era. And, you know, maybe that, that speaks to them feeling as though most people uh, have uh, decent internet enough to, to stream. Uh, but I also read in accordance to that, it's really not on our list, but it is kind of tied within the next month. We're talking around June timeframe in the United States. Netflix is going to start cracking down on password sharing. Yep. It could also be them just trying to control costs. And also, you know, they're on this kick about, you know, people sharing accounts. And so yep. that may get kind of ugly. It'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about that later as it breaks. So, Yeah, we can save that for another episode. My only thought, though, is if you're paying for the service, I mean, what's the deal? But uh, we can uh, discuss we'll that at another issue. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. Okay. So the next one on the list, um, there is a very popular video game on the PlayStation uh, that is called New Horizon Forbidden West. It's been out for quite some time. It's a beautiful game, technical marvel. Um, but what's interesting is that they are patching the game for a very unique reason. Uh, they are trying to increase accessibility um, for people who are afraid of water. There's a portion mm. of the game where you get scuba gear and you can go underwater with this character. 
uh, well, people who are scared of water apparently found it very troublesome. And so they're patching the game and they're adding accessibility to where they're increasing the field of view so you can go out further. Uh, your breath does not run out, so you can infinitely be down there. And essentially, it's trying to make you feel less claustrophobic. It's fascinating. You know, it's so funny. These companies are going back and doing these really unique patches. It's not for bug fixes. You know, like last week, we talked about how they're putting modern t-shirts on The Last of Us. Now they're going into this game, which has been out for a while. And they're patching it to help people not be so afraid of the water. So yeah. what do you think about that, man? I think that's very interesting because that uh, reminds me of a story, and I just had to look it up. Uh, the game Evil West, I don't know if you've heard of it, but they actually let you remove spiders from the game for uh-huh. those suffering from arachnophobia. Dude, I have Evil West on in my Steam catalog. I haven't played oh, yet. Oh, there you go. And, yeah. the, and I was going to make a joke because I can't stand spiders. If only they could do this for like Skyrim and the big spiders. Uh, oh, or, yeah. oh my gosh, the worst is the Hogwarts game. The spiders look, oh, they're such a pain. I won't go there. We won't talk about, we won't talk about that. But yeah, to wrap it up, I really like that. Uh, I mean, if you're scared of it, we don't want to like traumatize you and scare cool. you from playing our game. Yeah, so. Making it I more like it. open and accessible for people. That's that's awesome. It's a, it's it, yep. it's comes from a good place. So yep. that's cool. Definitely. Yeah. So the next one uh, I will also tackle. Uh, the This has been a rumor for some time now, uh, but it's heating up again where everybody's saying it may actually happen. Uh, for some time now, everybody's been waiting for Apple to jump into the virtual reality game or the augmented reality. If you're unaware, augmented reality is essentially putting digital things on top of the real world, like with the Microsoft HoloLens. Um, So, uh, you know, it's interesting to see which way one of these will go. Obviously, virtual reality is really kind of taken off with uh, the Oculus line, the HTCs, the Steam has their own. Uh, But they're now saying that at the developers conference, which is going to be this June, uh, the rumors are that they're going to announce a some sort of augmented reality or VR. They're saying that uh, it'll come, the rumor is, it'll come with uh, support for eye and hand tracking and operating system that they're going to call XROS, uh, support for FaceTime calls, reading titles from Apple Books, and of course, playing games. Uh, an extern- uh, it's going to have an external battery pack that's designed to sit in the user's pocket and a price point of around $3,000 has been rumored more than once. Now, yeah. regardless of whether this is true, it is always interesting. We've had this conversation about Apple. They design very unique products. It'll be interesting yes. to see what it's like. So, Yeah, and the price point to me matches. Um, Apple has always seemed to have a higher price point than any other company. But like I said before, their iPhones and their computers, such high quality, I think, and such great design and look and feel. So, Yeah, their stuff lasts. I mean, I've had... Yeah. I've had MacBooks that have lasted me 13 years. Uh, I can't tell you if I ever had like just a general business laptop that was Windows based ever last that long. Five years. No, not at all. Yeah. So, you know, and with desktops, it doesn't count because desktop Windows, I'm always upgrading it anyway. So, yeah, you know, but that's the thing. So, all right, brother, you get the next one. What's on the list? Uh, The next one is interesting. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Lego sets. Uh, they're kind of doing a Sonic the Hedgehog, a Hot Wheels mix, but it's basically like they're trying to be Hot Wheels, if I'm saying that right. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's like Legos mashed with Sonic, mashed with mashed Hot Wheels. With, yeah, it's it's crazy. Here's my question: Do kids in, are they into Sonic nowadays? I mean, I don't know because Sonic uh, very popular when it came out, but I think it had. Yep. 
a kind of a cult following of not very it's not as popular as mario uh harry well not harry potter i'm trying to think of things at the same time yeah Um, donkey kong yeah maybe i don't know it's interesting mashup so I i saw it and i was like okay that's cool but really like now why now they did have the movies recently and i know the movies were relatively well received there was also the controversy whenever they released the The shoes yeah oh yeah well his face too he had like oh yes yeah full teeth and what was interesting about that if you don't know everybody on the internet freaked out because sonic looked ugly he didn't look like the video game the studio to their credit actually stopped everything and redid all the posts delayed the movie and they they redid it and actually the movies there's been two of them so far were very well received so maybe there was enough good faith with kids that they feel like that's why this works as a toy i'm not yep. really sure but i mean looking at them they look really cool they've got the green hill zone so many uh, memories of that and the music going in the background yeah uh dr robotnik's in there so the people that love sonic i know will probably pick it up sure whether they open it or not <laughs> which we'll talk about that later with our guest star exactly but uh today. yep yeah all right so. brother well our last one on the list which i don't know how i feel about it i'm kind of iffy uh an announcement has been made that there is going to be a galaxy quest tv show for real this time maybe uh paramount plus so if you're familiar with this hopefully you are galaxy quest is like a star trek spoof it's about um, a group of actors who played in a Star Trek-like show and uh, come to find out it's all real. These aliens watched their old episodes and recreated their society around it, got space travel, basically ends up kidnapping the whole crew and they have to save the galaxy. It's an excellent movie if you haven't seen it. Yes. It's, it's got Tim Allen in it, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, such a great movie. But they're turning it into a TV show. I don't know how I feel about that because it's just it's such a great premise and it's an awesome movie. I hope they don't screw it up. I hope it's not dumb. Yeah. So you've seen it. Like, what what are your thoughts about it, man? Yeah, the like I said, the movie's really good. And I don't know. I hope they get the same actors. Uh Mr. Rickman, I believe, has passed. He so pass, yeah. um, he was a really good character in there. So to not have the same characters, I don't think it'll have the same look and feel and uh nostalgia as the movie. Yeah, unfortunately. But you know, maybe they can, uh, maybe they can make it happen. You know, stranger yeah. things have happened. So, yeah. all right, brother. Well, that wraps up our nerd news section for this episode. So, what we have next is our second yeah. special guest. Now, this kind of is in line with the theme because we have an upcoming retrocon that both Doug and I are not only attending, but we're going to be working. Uh, helping out somebody in their booth. And so in that whole theme of video game collecting and retro video games, uh, we decided to have our special guest for this weekend right before our follow-up episode, which will be about the retro con. So we're kind of staying in that lane of of themes. So uh, here we go. We will introduce our next guest, Kevin. Kevin is special because he has a very unique retro game collection, and it isn't a traditional just cartridges and that sort of thing he does all kinds of cool stuff and that's what we're going to get into so kevin man how you doing i'm doing well thanks for having me tonight i will notice that yeah. uh doug is family so i get some of the swag early i got my uh <laughs> oh, yeah. podcast sticker up here on my hat so i'm trying to rip the brand a little bit we appreciate that 
Definitely. We appreciate that. But we will get you a t-shirt for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. That's a lot of I wear that so, thing all over. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just kind of like dive into it, man. So first of all, what do you collect and how did you get started? Well, I guess I've always been somewhat of a collector because when I was a kid and you'd get the, the video games and uh, whatnot, I never would like, you know, sell them to buy the next new thing. I'd always keep them and then just eventually work my way up. I may not have, I may not be the first kid on the block to, you know, get the new console or whatever, but I always kept all my other stuff. And fortunately I still have some of the cardboard and boxes and whatnot for those games and I mean a lot of my collection is stuff that I've had since I was a kid and all grown up I just tried to take care of it and sometimes it's hard to do though with a kid yeah Yeah, I have a lot of complete things so it's definitely nice people go nuts for cardboard these days what's your your preferred go-to do you have like one set console I know Doug mentioned it was a NES but what's your preferred I do like the NES as far as like, I, that's definitely the cartridges that I have the most of, but probably the Nintendo 64 is the one that I have the most box mm. box art from yeah. and everything for all the ones when I was a kid. But I still look back and kick myself for all those things, especially being a collector now. You know, when you're a kid, you don't think about, oh, I'm going to want this this insert or the cardboard art or anything like that. I mean, if you like the art or whatever, you may cut up the box and like, put some push pins and stick it on your wall as a kid or whatever. So, oh, yeah. you know, Posters some of that especially, stuff doesn't right? get saved because you're not necessarily thinking about it when you're you know, a youngster. Exactly. I remember there was a Dragon Warrior game for the NES and it had a poster with it. And uh, man, if you ever look up how much those go for, I know, I remember my brother and I had that. If you look up like complete sets for some of that stuff, especially if it's unopened, holy cow, some of those things well, are. And some of those things inside, like you get the, inserts there's little not just the booklets and the paper and the plastic and everything that goes with the game some of them had like special issue stickers or comic books and whatnot that go in there and i mean those are the things that you know the people want that want a complete box like uh they want all that stuff so they're willing to pay top dollar for some of that i'm more of a a thriftier gamer but going back to your original question nes is what i have the most cards for but i've collected everything under the sun it mainly falls under video games as far as the nerdy realm of everything. And I've <laughs> collected all kinds of different consoles from old schools, Ataris, into the Nintendo, of course, and then Super Nintendos, and then more obscure things like uh, the Philips CDI, which was a oh, CD-ROM wow. base. Oh, man. And Nintendo yeah. actually worked with uh, Philips Magnavox back mm-hmm. then, trying to form a disc uh, yep. console. And then eventually that fell through, and they turned around and, turned it into the Sony PlayStation. That's right. Kind of the history right. of all that. And I've had right. Atari Jaguars and mm-hmm. uh, what is it? The Panasonic 3DO. I've had those and lots oh, of games. Yep. But it seems like sometimes I'll have some of those cooler, more odder things, and then I'll end up trading them to other collectors for other things to you know build up other things I'm more interested in or play with. I'm kind of a sucker for... I really want to play with the stuff I collect as opposed to, uh, you you know, just sitting there and let it collect dust. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing here and we have a lot more questions is that we may have an expert we can recall in the future. Oh, Oh, absolutely. All this technology and all this information. Yeah. I'm actually not very good on the technical side. So when I listen to your all's podcast, I actually get schooled quite a bit on, you know, how the computer business and everything works and, 
how some of those things go about and I, I'm just kind of blown away but when it comes to video games I really like that that's kind of the passion and the hobby and I haven't actually got to talk uh, verbally with somebody about video games or video com game collecting in a long time it's mainly just on like chat boards or Facebook groups and whatnot yeah. I'm in a private collecting group that's just amazing but verbally I mean I'm not surrounded by a lot of people that play uh, video games or collect them so it's nice to be able to you know hash some of this stuff out with other folks who may be interested oh absolutely yeah definitely so you uh you've sent up some pictures ahead of time i'm looking at this one you've got all kinds of uh a display unit for a nintendo and all kinds of games and cartridges and boxes what is like a rare piece or uh, special controllers you have in there well, I guess, I mean, if you're a Nintendo person, like an NES, the one thing you wanted to have if you watched The Wizard, the movie The Wizard with Fred Savage, and going to the thing, yeah. it's the power glove. And as yep. they said, it's so bad. <laughs> so what the, that was the catch line. But, uh, you know, that's Yeah, it didn't really things. live up to the hype, yeah. Yeah, it did not live up to the hype. I mean, but definitely you can see where that technology grew and then eventually kind of mm -hmm. turned into... You know how the Nintendo Wii went with the motion sensors yep. and everything, and then everybody else kind of jumped on board with the motion sensor stuff, and now it's you know derived in a lot of the consoles that we have today and whatnot. Yep. So it was cool to kind of see its infancy. There were other things. Uh, Nintendo, uh, they put out what was called a rolling rocker, and it's basically mm -hmm. like a balancing platform, and by tilting your body left or right or forward or back, kind of like a Segway, or a hoverboard that controlled oh, your man. character. So I've played the original Mario before with my little character running across the screen just by me like leaning on this board and trying to, you know, jump up and whatnot. And then of course the old school like uh, the power pad, you know, where most people power didn't pad. actually yeah. run on the dot. They get field. that on their knees and like put their yeah. hands on it and try to do it, yep. trying to do the track and field. But yep. I mean, a lot of my controller or the interesting controller stuff is is things like that really oddball things that you know we're just trying yeah. to reach out to uh you know basically just trying to push the limits back then even though now it yeah. kind of looks cheesy probably the oddest thing that i have in there is like a nintendo brand um how would i say that <laughs> like almost like a crochet pattern like it's a book that you open yeah. up and it's got all the or it's like a push pin and it's kind of like, um, oh, what's the thing where you put the yarn? The old oh. ladies would do it and yeah. whip stitch and stuff. And yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. a Nintendo yeah. one of those. So it's kind of oh, cool. full of just oddball stuff, but still cool. And you actually, you also have display cabinets or what was in retail stores. I know one of the photos, you have like what looks like an OG, like like in a Kmart or a Walmart for a Nintendo like, man, that takes up so much. Do you, I'm assuming you have a room dedicated for this stuff, right? Yes, I do have a dedicated room. And sometimes it, just depending on how the, the, the collection fluctuates, sometimes it's super full and you can hardly get around. Uh, but other times, you know, the it kind of dwindles down and you can maneuver stuff around and actually get some stuff done in there. But yeah, that Nintendo cabinet, it's actually not a retro one. It's more of a... Um, 2000s late 2000s one okay. there was actually a store closing and i was able uh -huh. to pick up that kiosk when the the store closed they probably had 
like 30 of those kiosks and it's kind of a generic oh, cabinet but the yeah. glass the light up glass is the the main part of it and actually when this store was closing it was kind of like all sales are final and it was first come first serve so i bought that one really quick because i knew i wanted it especially for the nintendo marquee yeah and they're like but you can't take it out until the end of the month and i'm like what do you mean i just bought this so like oh you can't <laughs> take it out till the end of the month well <laughs> what happened was i go back to pick it up on my date when i had uh, set up mm -hmm. with the, the the store to go pick it up well there it is with my name on it and everything the nintendo marquee's gone and i'm oh. like I don't want this. Yeah. I mean, I just no. put hundreds of dollars down for this. Yeah. And you all would not let me take it out of the store at the time. But they're like, well, it's still here. I'm like, that doesn't matter. The marquee no. was the it's main piece yeah. that you needed. Well, they ended up going back through security footage and finding somebody that took it, just like stole it. But yep, they actually yeah. knew it because it was a local game collector themselves who had oh, stole it. So the cops went and... uh got it back oh man that person so i that's, that's a crazy that's, story that's kind of an interesting crazy story on how i ended up with that marquee itself and you can kind of tell that it's just kind of a generic one other than the marquee because mm -hmm. just below it i'm sure severe hardcore fans will probably notice there's like a little banner on it that says greatness awaits and i think that's more of a playstation <laughs> logo and stuff so yeah but yeah. i always left it in there because i hadn't really found anything else to put in there yet but maybe sometime Really cool. cool. Good story. All right, Doug, you're up with the next one, buddy. All right. Um, I think we kind of touched on it, but uh, what kind of got you into collecting? Kind of reiterate that? As an adult. So you mentioned yeah. as a kid, as you, were very, so, you were very particular yeah. as a kid, right? Yes. And you were, but what made you continue that on into adulthood uh, to amass it? I mean, obviously you still have the love for it. Well, I, other than just keeping what I already had, you know, growing up, um, I really didn't set out until collecting until about 13 years ago, probably about 2010. Mm. I moved from um, all around from my work and whatnot. And my wife and I ended up in Florida, Northern Florida. Well, Northern Florida is full of flea markets. And they're yeah. not like yeah. flea markets you think around uh, the Midwest or whatever. You know, you go yeah. in and there's a bunch of booths and whatever, and you pick up what you want and you go to the front. It's like a state fair almost, but it's like every weekend. Mm. I mean, these are like state fair grounds with set up buildings and everything, just acres and acres and acres of a building. And every place inside, there's hundreds of, you know, shop vendors and whatever. And they may be selling new stuff, they may be selling old stuff, but it's all kind of open, walk through, and you can even get corn dogs and funnel cakes. I mean, it's kind of like a carnival, oh, but it's every week. Like it's just hundreds <laughs> of people. Well, I got to go into those, and I was picking up Nintendo games on the cheap because nobody wanted them, you know, 13 mm. years ago very much. They were still like three bucks a piece. Sure. And I'm like, you know what? I, now is the time. I, I wouldn't mind. At first, I started out collecting. I'm like, I want to get every Nintendo game. Like, that was yep. my goal, to get every mm -hmm. Nintendo game. But other other things just kept popping up along sure. the way. There'd be, you know, an old Nintendo or a PlayStation mm -hmm. or something there sitting there for 5 or 10 bucks. And I'm like, okay, grab it up. But it became like a weekend hobby thing, going around and just finding gaming stuff uh, at these huge, giant flea markets. And even when you weren't in the buildings, the outside, 
was just people that rolled up like a garage sale. They'd lay down a tarp and just start laying stuff down. One of the coolest wow. things I found was I was walking by and I see this virtual boy, the old school Nintendo oh, virtual boy. Yep. Some the people, a lot of people didn't have it that I knew, but everybody went and played it at Walmart or a game store and you'd walk up and put your yep. face in the VR headset and there was a little controller down here and it'd yep. possibly give you a seizure depending on who you were because of the red. <laughs> yeah, black. that red color, a little yeah. different. But yeah. there was a box there and I was like, I kind of looked at it and I got real excited and I opened up the box and here's this uh, virtual boy and it's even got the neoprene like eye cups and everything still in great wow. shape. And I looked at the guy and I said, how much for the virtual boy? And I mean, he was just kind of looking around. There's all kinds of other stuff laying out. And he's like, uh, 15 bucks. And I'm like, oh, all right. man. yeah, uh, 15 yeah. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'll definitely Good take Lord. that. And man, I remember holding that thing. Like it was a, you know, Heisman Trophy winner football trying to get to my car, trying to make sure everybody's right. going to jump me for this virtual boy. But it was kind of back when, I I mean, collecting, game collecting wasn't dead, but it's nowhere near, like it's, it was nowhere near what it is now, like, and how gotcha. crazy people get about well, everything. Well, and I just That's quickly looked it up. That's kind of how I got up. into it. So I quickly looked it up. You dropped 15 bones on that virtual boy today, according to price charting. Uh, the loose price is two hundred and seventy-two dollars. Uh, the Man. CIB price was just lightly used, but good condition, six hundred dollars. But if it was sealed new, twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, you got a hell of a deal. I did. I mean, that's crazy, man. I did. Man. I got in on it when it was a a lot cheaper than it is now. Definitely. I mean, so even your, back then. Well, so I mean, you, you started could still in get flea a markets. Boy for under hundred. You could. So you started in flea markets, but that kind of segues into. What are your methods? Do you, is that still your method today? I know you've moved from Florida. You're in a different part of the country. You are right. Different different sets of the country have obviously better pools, right? Are you still doing that same method with flea markets or, or are you online? Like, what's your method today when you're looking for something or browsing? You mentioned you trade with other collectors. How do you go about it today and how have you evolved with your collecting? Well, evolving whenever I moved out of Florida, I lived in Florida for three years, so it was quite a long time to amass a lot of stuff. And, you know, I didn't yeah. have kids or anything, so I just had a lot of excess income to kind of blow. Yeah. Looking back now, I was like, you know, you probably should have saved some of it, but uh, you wouldn't have that same awesome collection, you know? You, you, well, right, yeah. You can't take the money with you, but maybe you can be buried with a pile of games on <laughs> your coffin. <laughs> Well, your but, kids might want maybe it, that's know? my kids' inheritance. Yeah, you know. There you uh, go. <laughs> but over time, um, and I moved back. You know, it became more like garage sales or uh, yep. picking things up. But it's actually slowed since the markets picked up in the last like mm -hmm. six years. Uh, it's hard to get good prices because a lot of people know what they have and they know people pay a lot of money for them. So I do a lot. Most of my stuff over the last few years have definitely just been uh, trading with other collectors as opposed to actually going out and shopping and buying. Um, I also had a mother-in-law who went to a lot of like uh, local flea markets and stuff around her town and garage sales, and she always kept an eye out for me. So she'd pick me up. She would still Thank even uh, be able to pick me up like a Nintendo for 20 bucks with all the cables and everything. And I was just wow. amassed like all these stacks and stacks of these consoles, yeah. which, um, you know, kind of led into my other stuff. I like the I idea of you doing. outsourcing your collecting yeah. to, uh, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> cast that net, right? <laughs> this, this isn't with Nintendo, but it, it goes right up along with, uh, 
nerdiness and all things nerdy. One time she called me and she said, uh, I have a crate here and there's uh, 150 Star Wars ornaments in their boxes. Would you like oh, it? Man. And I'm like, I'm like, well, yeah. how much is it? She's like, oh, it's like 75 bucks. And I'm like, heck yeah. yeah. I yeah. want the whole yeah. crate. She's like, how many do you want? I said, yep. I want them all. All of them. Get the whole box. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have a dedicated Christmas tree topped with a Darth Vader helmet and all, awesome. just all these kinds That's of really Star cool. Wars uh, ornaments all around. So I have this whole Star Wars Christmas tree that That's gets so to cool. be lit up and showed off for a month a year. <laughs> That's so cool. That is awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, she definitely you're... came through in lots of lots of ways. That's awesome. While you're collecting all this stuff, uh, kind of looking back in your entire history, what is like the thing that you're most proud of? Like, I was able to find this. I got it. Do you have something in your collection that you your will never whale. get rid of? Yeah. Is it that power glove? <laughs> it's probably not the power glove. It, okay. The... I feel like the virtual boy is probably the best story overall. And just like, it's one of those shining moments when the clouds part open and the sunbeam comes (laughs) down and it's just like, "Ah." but especially looking back on it, but I can't think of any one thing that I necessarily, you know, love more than the other. There's definitely games I play more than the other, but um there's probably not anything that really stands out moments and look back oh, okay. on like one pickup, but is there something you want to add to your collection? That's still you're looking for that's your white whale. Is it, are you one of those like gold Zelda cartridge kind of people or. I, I honestly would love a pinball machine and oh, it's no. not so much about finding them. It's about affording them because pinball sure. machines are, extremely ridiculous in price and i mean the newer ones are just amazing because you know a lot of times they're associated with a band like metallica or primus Mm -hmm. or aerosmith acdc and they're i mean they're jamming the tunes while you're doing the ball but there's also an old one called a medieval madness that i really like to have so it's less video games but still that's arcade-ish and that's like the the one thing it's like man i would love to have a pinball machine uh, on the on a smaller scale, a little cheaper scale, uh, much more doable. I was over at Doug's house recently, and I got to experience his multi arcade again. And uh, I, I can see right? myself uh, really need yeah. one of those in, in my future. And then over time, when I was down in Florida, I picked up a lot of arcade cabinets as well. And yeah. um, it just became one of the things. So I, I don't know. That's I awesome. don't have any more arcade cabinets. I've downsized quite a bit, especially sure. when you're moving multiple states. They take a lot of space over. too, so, right? It, yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely been some downsizing. And I've had kiosks before, like a PlayStation 2 store kiosk. And then the whole thing was like a silver steel oh, tower yeah. with the light up oh. blue PlayStation 2. And I mean, it was just a chunk. And I'm like, there's nowhere to put this <laughs> stuff anymore because I had literally like, become a hoarder and like hoarded all this video game stuff and all these kiosks and everything. And I was feeling squished and I was like, I can't do anything. So, um, so to expand on your overwhelm on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See that. I'm going to expand on this question a little bit. What do you think about uh, people who collect uh, emulators and ROMs? 
I mean, they're still trying to relive the good old days and the nostalgia, but do you believe that's the same or do you want the physical item? Honestly, I mean, there's something to be said about taking a physical cart and jamming it in the slot or pulling it out even though you're not supposed to and just blow it on it right. trying to get it to do and then jamming it back in there. Uh, but I have no problem with emulators. I mean, a lot of people um, get mad sometimes about it. I'm not been out of shape about it, especially because games have become so expensive these days. Sometimes it's really the only way somebody can afford to enjoy a game. And if the emulator itself, you know, isn't buggy or glitchy, I mean, I've seen some that I've tried to play and I'm like, this is just too glitchy. I can't do it, you know, put it down. But then others are done real nice and it runs smooth. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only way somebody can afford to enjoy that game. So uh, they definitely have a place to me and a purpose. And same way with those multicades. I mean, I mean, you can play a thousand different arcade games like Doug has. Yeah. On his. I mean, yeah. there's no way you could fit a thousand arcades into, no. your, yeah. into your home. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, you'd have to have a warehouse. I mean, not even just a mansion. Yeah. You'd have to have a warehouse full. For a thousand I have it arcades. in my pocket for my Steam Deck. I've got like a oh, thousand nice. on that Steam Deck, man. I know. You all were talking about that on your last <laughs> episode and a few episodes yeah. before that. And I, I've heard lots of good things about the Steam Deck, so I, I'm kind of jealous it, whenever you talk about it's it. It's great for retro. I will tell you that. If you're into it, it's good for modern too, but it's great for retro. But you are right, though, about the space, the eternal battle you probably have in your collection and trying to manage your space. I can only imagine that. Um, but as a segue, not one one thing that's really unique. Not only do you have a traditional collection, you do some do something that's actually very interesting. And we're going to put photos up. You customize console shells, and you have got some amazing work. How did you get into this? Where did this idea come from? I mean, we'll put up pictures. You got everything from Mega Man to Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Final Fantasy, Punisher marvel like dude how'd you how'd you get into this what where did this start well it all kind of started at back when i was in florida and i you know was just so hardcore into just collecting games and then i would just look up all the stuff all the time online and one time i was on this blog or whatever and somebody i think his name was like platinum fungi or something if uh (laughs) if you want to google it if if your listeners want to google it but he had done like um a Nintendo, a regular Nintendo, so you had the big flat gray top, and he had cut squares to make it look like the pixelated Link from the original Legend of Zelda. And awesome. he had painted like the, the box silver itself and you know did some of the, the colors in down below it. And I'm like, I could do something like that. I think that's really cool. I mean, it'd give me something to do for my spare time. And I was just like, I think I could do this, you know, on a larger scale and I could make all these consoles that I've collected for 10 or 20 bucks and I could make them, you know, pretty instead of just having a stack of gray boxes, I could make these and display them. And I definitely, there definitely was a learning curve with the the situation. As you can tell, the first one I did was uh, a Mario one and he's kind of, it's kind of just Mario on the flat face and he's kind of got a wiggly mustache and on the flip lid, of the Nintendo, I put like a Nintendo logo across it. Well, I did this by using a Dremel, like putting a stencil down on it, Dremeling out wow. the plastic. That's awesome. And you, painting you etched that by hand? Yeah, with a Dremel. But then once you, I do the rough with the Dremel, 
and then you go back in with small files like uh, square files or triangle files or whatnot that you get in a hobby store and then you know work out the hard edges or you know use little strips of sandpaper and sandpaper mm -hmm. to make it kind of smooth on the edge and the first one I really didn't like the way it turned out. I thought, oh, this is bad. But I kept it because I'm like, this is part of the process. And I thought, I'm, I can improve on this. I've learned from my mistakes. But the one thing I do love about it is it's the one I actually went in inside. So before you paint or do any of the dribbling, you have to completely dismantle yep. everything and take it all apart yep. and set everything yep. to the side is the best yep. way to do it. I've seen some people not do that, but it's just best mm. to try and keep the paint yeah. and everything away from the boards. Not a good idea. Yeah. But I went in and I was feeling brave. So I went to Radio Shack back in the day when you could actually go to a corner store yep. and get something at Radio Shack. <laughs> and I got a little green LED light. You know, it's just a teeny tiny little light and it's got two prongs. And I thought, you know, and at that time I was like, I have so many Nintendos, like it does, it's not going to matter if I mess one up while I'm trying this, yeah. you know, just whatever. So then I actually unsoldered the existing like red power light on the Nintendo and soldered in a green light on the board. And I mean, it awesome. was super, super simple. Uh, all kinds of YouTube videos can show you yeah. how to do simple solder. And I did that. So then on the front of the console itself that I did with the Mario, I cut out a mushroom symbol on that. there, a toad. And so whenever you power it up, it looks like a green one-up mushroom. Dude. And a lot of that, all oh, I did was so cool. cut out the like the outside shape, almost like carving a pumpkin. Yeah. Um, so you cut out that basic shape, but then I put in flat, clear plastic so the light would shine through. The, the mushroom shape, but then I went back and put out like the little uh, mushroom circles in the eye and the mouth or whatnot in plastic, and I painted those as well and then glued them on to the clear plastic, so then it added more of, you know, the actual toad look whenever the power's not on as well. It looks and I thought unbelievable. That was, really, that was really when I was like, ooh, I could do something even cooler now, and that's Getting when I did. Getting more creative. I did the Zelda one with the the big like makeshift Highland shield mm -hmm. on yep. the top, and yep. I basically started out with that one and just cut out the shield shape itself, and then for like the silver layer underneath, like the silver border of the shield, mm -hmm. it's actually just flat, clear hobby plastic that mm -hmm. I had cut out the shape and uh, did the same methods with the file and uh, sandpaper and whatnot and you know painted it silver painted it chrome and then mm -hmm. i used some of the thicker plastic left over from the main nintendo shell that i started out with to build some of those bigger pieces and then as i painted them or whatever what color they needed to be and i'd place them back in there as they went and on that one i did Good. a zelda on the front i yeah. showing it to folks at the time uh, i did get a little heat because i put zelda on there instead of Link, because it's it's a Link. I was going for the adventures of Zelda, but it was super hard. Like, I didn't have a Dremel at that point, fine enough to do yeah. the adventures to, to fit on the flip lid. So I went you with Zelda. So I've actually thought about going back and doing it and putting Link on the flip lid instead of Zelda, yeah. you know, buying a replacement yeah. flip lid and doing, doing Link. It. And I think it would mm -hmm. 
just make it look even better. And on that one, I started doing the controller as well. You know, take the whole controller part and I made it like a forest mm -hmm. green. And, it looks and great. Whatnot, so. Now, yeah, these are just that, on display. You, you don't sell them, right? You, these no, are I just don't for sell your them. personal enjoyment, right? Yes, They're they are beautiful. just for my personal enjoyment. And um, <laughs> so many listeners are going to be sad. Yes, definitely. I know, but it, it's actually. If I can do it, a lot of folks can do it. I'm not going to say everybody can do it because some people, you know, you Just know, may not have the yeah. patience. I mean, it does take yeah. a lot of patience because you're doing some fine, fine uh, Dremel cutting or filing or sanding. But I mean, anybody, I, I mean, it's all basic skills and all of it's done with, um, you know, just those basic tools like I taught or told you and. You know, mm -hmm. you need like a Phillips and then you will need like the Nintendo security bit, but you can buy those on Amazon. Yep. Uh, it's like a little screwdriver, a special screwdriver for like, I don't know, you probably get them for under five bucks if you're a Prime mm -hmm. member or something. Or you could definitely get them online somewhere for, oh, for, yeah. you can get very, very, yep. for like peanuts. Yep. And yep. a lot of times the paint that I was using uh, was just like regular Rust-Oleum or the mm -hmm. Krylon or whatever brands that you can mm -hmm. get at, you know, any hardware store or Walmart sure. or anywhere. And just depends on what you want as far as the gloss or a matte finish and whatnot. I think I played around with a couple different ones on how they did. I think the Donkey Kong one I did was a gloss black. Mm -hmm. And then the Punisher one I did was a, a matte black. I definitely wow. like, for my taste, I like the matte better than the gloss after doing some of that. I also learned some things from like the Donkey Kong one that I did because the brown doesn't show up against the black as much. So if I had to do it over again, I'd probably do Donkey Kong as like a canary yellow. Yeah. Uh, make it pop like a the little more. Thing. And then it would make his, his face, uh, the image pop a little more and you know, the brown of it, his hair and stuff wouldn't be drowned out by the black, but I'd really do like my Punisher one. <laughs> no, I think that's, that is I, really I mean, the cool. Zelda one's nice. Yep. I like the Punisher one a lot because it. Uh, you kind of mentioned last time Doug likes firearms. I also like <laughs> firearms because we're family. Yeah. We both grew up with, you know, yeah. respecting firearms. But it was a big part of yes. you know people gathering on like a Sunday afternoon mm -hmm. and doing target practice sure. and everybody hanging out and having dinner at grandma's. But on that one, I actually incorporated real forty-five casings for the wow. A and B buttons. Uh, on the Nintendo, and I did that by taking the original, like you'd think the red A and B button on a Nintendo mm -hmm. controller, and dremeling them around, and I had cut my casings down to where there was wow. only, you know, a little bit left, and then I could uh, adhere it to the original mm -hmm. red buttons, and ah. I really like the way it looks. <laughs> I mean, it does play. I wouldn't want to play for hours with 45 casings on my thumb yeah. as opposed to the red yeah. buttons, but <laughs> it does work. Everything I make is functional. While I was doing, uh, you know, had all the guts and stuff in out, I'd redo the 72 pin connectors and everything. I'd either mm -hmm. replace them if they needed to or rework yep. them. Um, yeah, redo the caps. So I wanted everything to be functional. Yeah. I wanted to be able to take it off the shelf, plug it in, and go to town with it, you know. Well, they and look amazing. That's the way I was. They look great. The, the other, I mean, I also like my uh, Mega Man one. I think it's awesome as well because on that is the one where I started to incorporate things on the side, like writing on the side on the Mega Man one. Yeah. I actually put the Capcom logo down the side because there's so yep. much more plastic to use yeah. as far more as real um, estate. Mm -hmm. 
the art. Yeah, so I mean, I started to incorporate all that stuff and, you know, using more on one side, it's like his power uh, projectiles that he shoots. And then the other side is the Capcom. Same way on the Punisher. On one side, I did the marble, the hardcore red block letter marble. And then down the opposite side, I did more like the Sanskrit comics, like you'd see on yeah. Marvel Comics logo. And it was canary yellow and really popped um, against all the, the silver and white that I had on there. Well, you they definitely have really a talent. Good. You have a talent for sure. Um, I know you're you're passing it off and being humble, saying anybody could do it. I know that I could not, and I know I wouldn't have the patience for it. Um, but you definitely have an artistic uh, uh, eye in, in the way that you go about this. They look amazing. So, well, yes, thank you. I, I was proud of some of them. Some of them are more of a learning experience, and then sure, uh, some of them are like, you know what, that one turned out all right. The Mega Man is yep. another one. Um, the second Mario one that I did was a whole lot better um mm -hmm. you can probably throw up an image of that you can see like yep. a contrast yep. of the first mario versus the second mario i did yeah. but um, <laughs> uh, the m that i did on the front of the second mario on the flip lid instead of doing the nintendo i put the m on there i think i'd like to do something to the mega man one like i was talking about with the zelda going back and putting link across the flip lid instead of zelda yep. i think i'd like to incorporate like a double m for like Mega oh. Man on the flip lid, yeah, um, that, and incorporate that, that you know, because it just kind of looks blank right now, and everything mm -hmm. else is so beautiful and pops, and then you have that blank, and I'm like, ah, yeah. I feel like I could go back now, and uh, you know, kind of spruce it up a bit. You sound like a perfectionist, a, a true I, artist. I, sometimes <laughs> I am, just a little bit, yeah. All right, so that's uh, pretty cool. It looks like you uh, kind of got it down pat. Um, Moving on from that, uh, we last saw you and we talked about you in our cosplay and you our were featured. <laughs> yes, oh, I did. we, I did we showed your picture. Yes, so, uh, can we talk about how you d design your own cosplay or what cosplays you've done in the past? Yeah, um, as you were talking about from the one that you had shown in a previous episode, I was Bebop from like the '90s Ninja Turtle. I didn't Ninja have Turtle, all the yeah. hog hair and whatnot on me, but I had pretty <laughs> much all the other get up as best as I could. And it was more so just you know buying fake grenades and you know finding clothing items that um, was easier to to find. You know that you might find in a clothing store as opposed to actually fabricating. Um, things. The only thing I fabricated this time was like a giant yellow uh, nose ring that would stay that in my was, nose all yeah. day, but it was super, super noticeable. And I've actually done that one quite a few times. I really like that costume. Sometimes it'll be on Halloween, but other times it'll yeah. be at like a, a Comic Con or whatnot. Um, but I'd really I liked, like to I liked get into the. Your shoulders. I like the real yes, the shells. shells. Real they weren't like. Yes. They were real. Like you had. The first Show time I wore that, I only had one, and it was a snapping turtle shell. And so when I oh. first had that costume and made it, I only had one real turtle shell. But I went with it and just, I mean, it still yeah. got a lot of looks. But, I mean, yeah. the yeah. double ones Definitely. that I have, and I had shellacked them, so they're super shiny and pop. Mm -hmm. And They I, look good. I really yeah. like it. I feel good when I'm wearing that. It feels, I don't know, Bebop's kind of a cheesy character, but uh, I, yeah. I kind of like him anyway. And he just That's kind of all. seems to fit my personality, not taking anything too seriously. Sometimes when he messes up, and you know, he's like, "Oh, whatever," you know. But <laughs> it's always good. Cool. Yeah. Where are you going to get those titles? <laughs> you know. But anybody yeah. who didn't watch the old '90s serials yeah. is going to be like, "What's he talking about?" But yeah, yeah. 
but demographically, I'm sure this. I would really like to get about. into foam work. Uh, you know, yeah. you see like the suits of armor are just uh, extra, yeah, extra pieces yeah. or you know foam weapons, things like that. I mean, as you could see at that uh, Kansas City Planet Comic Con, yeah, I mean it was just amazing what people come up with, and then you'd have the vendors booze, and I mean it yep. looked like movie, yep. movie prop. Mm-hmm stuff but it was all made out of just paint and foam yeah i tried my hand at that um one one halloween and i'll try to get you all a pic so you can throw it up now sure. but i did um if anybody watched like the clone wars star wars mm-hmm. the clone wars cartoon yep yep i did obi kenobi obi-wan kenobi's armor like they had the jedi armory it kind of looked like white stormtrooper armor but the shoulder pads yeah, and I stuff remember. you know had the jedi had the order front. symbol mm-hmm. And whatnot, and I tried to make one of those out of mm-hmm. you know just foam mats and stuff that I had. It was difficult. As much as you say I'm artistic and everything, you're gonna see if I dig up this picture and hand it to you, you're gonna be like, yeah, that one, that one could use a little more work on there, Kevin. But yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something I would like to do in the future, and, and and play with. The thing that I did ended up being it. While it was large, it was very basic, and but it was learn like it was a learning curve on. Yeah learning how to paint it to where it didn't crack yeah. and what to do and the way to heat it and try to shape the yeah. armor in the way to where it would fold over, you know, your body. And I didn't have a mannequin for my body. So I was having to kind of like put stuff halfway on and then adhere yeah. it together and then put it, take it off and put it back on and then try to see how it would fit. So it, it was definitely a learning experience. Yeah. But, I'm sure if you did a few times, you'd, probably get it i really i really do like dressing up i i think it's cool (laughs) one of the things from comic-con um this last time i mean my bebop costume got noticed by so many people and it was awesome people be like oh my goodness it's bebop we want to come up can we take a photo with you and i'm like heck yeah get on in here and you know you do the pose or whatever a lot Mm -hmm. of cosplayers if they're in a costume they'll they'll want to do like their certain pose for whatever their character is doing and I mean, it's just a great feeling inside and, you know, you know, you don't really feel like if you're wearing it down the street, you're walking in, you're afraid people are going to be like, nerds or whatever. But the good thing about that size of a Comic-Con, there's plenty of other people walking around the street. Oh, yeah. So yep. it's like all the, everybody's out in costume. So it's kind of like Halloween. Yep. You don't feel as bad then. It is. And that's my favorite thing. We talked about that with the culture. Everybody's polite. Everybody is kind when you go to those things and people will compliment you and you don't feel out of place and you're able to do something like that. I, I think that's one of the beauties of going to those types of conventions for sure is being able to, you know, really kind of mingle with your own and not worried about, you know, being judged <laughs> too much and having people with, you know, the like the same interests as you. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think, that was uh, actually... no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's actually the first one me and my family have been to in a while. We've kind of taken a break for a while because COVID hit and then they didn't have it. And then they had it like at a reduced capacity. So this was like, seemed yeah. like the first one that it was like, Oh, it's back. You it's know, big. it's yeah. the closest yeah. one to us. So it's, yep. Yep. you know, e- the easiest one to make it to, cause you can travel to it without having to put up like yep. hotel stay and everything like that. Yep. It's drivable. So go ahead. And go. it was really fun for me. Um, 
being the first one I've ever been to, the booths and all that, that's kind of cool. But uh, just the people attending, that's what I really enjoyed. And we talked about that earlier, is just the the costumes and the, everybody's in a good mood, everybody's happy, everybody's courteous. There wasn't really like grumpy people in the crowds, everybody's happy to be there, and the costumes and the whole atmosphere. I think that's what I liked most about it. Yeah, good energy, for sure. Yes, absolutely, lots of good energy. Well, you have been very gracious with your time, uh, but we like just like we did with Frank, we like to end with a rapid fire round of lightning questions. Doug, you're going to go first. We, so get get on your heels, man. Get ready. We'll see how big of a nerd you are. I, we've already gotten a pretty good sense, but uh, you're definitely in good company here. So, Doug, you go first. Yeah, Absolutely. The I first... can talk nerdy stuff all day. I, I really <laughs> like this. I mean, yeah. You never know. I may be back on in the future to talk about other of course. video games, no, yeah. more, more yeah. in-depth video game stuff. You just never know. Variance. You got it. Ooh, I, variance is a rabbit hole in the collecting world that you don't want to go down. <laughs> I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg of what so. knowledge you may have here. Yep. So to it. go into our next bit, uh, your favorite console, I, I believe you already told us you want to let us know what your favorite console of all time is. You got to be specific. Don't just say Nintendo. My- I want to My model. favorite console of all time is it's got to be just the Super Nintendo. I the Nintendo was yeah, like the first I that I had, but I the Nintendo was better graphics and depending on the Super Nintendo that you got, it had a better sound card in it. Uh, if you get into the serial numbers um, mm-hmm. in a different run of production, you had, you know, better sound, better graphics. You had a lot of the same yep. games that were popular on NES that were redone on the Super NES. So it's almost yep. like playing the exact same game, but just better graphics and better sound. And honestly, a lot of memories. It, it seemed yep. to be the console that most everybody had. So you could always just, instead of bringing your whole console, you could bring a duffel bag of games or whatever with your initial marked on it. And I remember going... Doug would remember this a lot. I mean, we would go upstairs in our grandma's old farmhouse and there was like the old wooden edged CTR TV. It was an entire like uh, cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And there would be, you know, anywhere eight to 15 of us piled in like an eight foot by eight foot room it, just piled I'm surprised on we didn't fall through the floor yeah. waiting to play <laughs> you know mortal Kombat or f-zero or something like that so it yeah. does have to do with the nostalgia part of it too awesome. i'm surprised the floor didn't collapse like doug yeah. said because yeah. we're talking like a hundred year old farmhouse here <laughs> yeah. uh, lots That's of creaking awesome. so uh but i mean <laughs> it was just all the good times and i mean that was every holiday a lot Sometimes it was on just every weekend. You know, I said, you know, a lot of people would get together and shoot firearms. Well, when we were young and not shooting firearms, we were playing video games and whatnot. And it was just a good pastime, a lot of nostalgia. And that probably rolls into some of my collecting as well. That's awesome. It's a a great console. I I couldn't agree with you more. I I was always more of a Super Nintendo fan myself. I I love the color palette of it, the FX chip, what they did with parallaxing. Genesis was great. I actually liked the Sega CD better than the Genesis, but I always preferred the games on the Super Nintendo. They just, I don't know, there was something about the color palette. It just popped to me more. I don't know. I, I'm 100% with they you had, on that. They it's, had great soundtracks, yeah. too, on a lot of they their did. games. Oh, the soundtracks yeah. were yeah. rocking. I mean, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was a good, good one. So the next one, you mentioned, and I think you already touched on this, uh, your favorite superhero. I think I'm going to know what it is. Who is it? I don't, well, 
I'm here to tell you. I'm going to see the Punisher. Down, my no, it's actually not. He's he's right up there though. I, okay, it kind of goes in line. It's definitely Batman. I mean, Ooh. but the Punisher is a oh, close second. But there is definitely that crossover of you know no superpowers. They're just normal people using the skills that they have. Bruce Wayne just happened right. to be a billionaire and a lot of yeah. research and design company, whatnot. But super the smart. Punisher used his raw skills yeah. with his True. firearms and his detective knowledge and. You know, just his knowledge of the underground more, but it's definitely Batman. He was, that's like the first mm-hmm. superhero movie that I can remember when I was a kid, too. And it was just such a huge thing with Michael Keaton. I guess yep. I should say when I was a kid, it was the Michael Keaton version. Yes. The Tim Burton, Michael Keaton. And it was just amazing to see, you know, a superhero because before that, we really, there were some superhero movies, but. It was never Not done like that. to that scale. It was like a lot of yeah. cheesy, almost like made-for-TV type yep. stuff uh, yep. beforehand. Yeah, they weren't. You couldn't take them seriously. Where yeah. those, you definitely you you could. Those were the first like serious attempts at telling a story. Especially yeah. you got Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Holy cow! Oh yeah, it was oh. great. He did Nicole a great Kidman. job. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, Nicole Kidman was in there. I mean, just it was loaded. Yep, yep. It and was actually, great. Billy D. Williams. Yep. That's oh, right. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. And he had Michelle Pfeiffer later on pulling up Catwoman. Yes. She did awesome. Great. Just, you know, absolutely great, great films. That's awesome. All right, Doug, you're up next in the lightning round, man. All right. Uh, current games you're playing and enjoying or current uh, stuff you're watching movie-wise? Kind of a two-part question. Well, it is going to be... I'm actually watching Peaky Blinders right now again. Uh, going yeah. back through it with someone who didn't watch it originally. And uh, mm-hmm. that's been a lot of fun because it's been a while since that series kind of wrapped up and uh, going back to, it, it's been a lot because I've forgotten some of it. So, and then experiencing it with somebody else and seeing all the twists and turns, that's been fun. That's the cool, current yeah. game that I'm playing, uh, I actually am not sure how long it's been out, but since watching the Mario movie with my son, mm-hmm. he wanted to get mm-hmm. uh, the switch super Mario 3d world. And oh, yeah, so I've been playing on yeah. that uh, just in my spare time. And so, I mean, that's, that's been a, a lot game. of fun because it's it's probably the first Mario game that I've picked up in a long time since, like, Mario Galaxy. So, I mean, yep. it's been a while since I picked up a Mario game. I it's will have weird. to say, I think my phone is dying. And it goes back to <laughs> your all's last no. conversation. I have an Android. So clearly, oh no! It's dying. I plugged it <laughs> Another in. dig at his, Android here. His batteries I dying. I do, I do love my, I do love my Android, but I'm going back to the conversation you all had in the previous episode. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> that's. Okay. I thought we just said don't talk about that, right? No, <laughs> that's okay. We're getting to the near the end of this, Kevin. You have been very generous with your time. Yes, your Thank phone's you held much. out so far. Thank you. We will definitely have you back dude you are cut from the cloth of the exact reason why we started this podcast was to share these cool conversations you are definitely in good company man thank you so much for all right uh, well thanks for having me on and maybe we'll talk some nerdy stuff in the future we sure will absolutely all right yeah take care 